What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the particular saint that God desires for you to be. But here's my disclaimer, my advice that I share with you, my responses to your questions might not always be good for you. If that's the case, then I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in holiness, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. But if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I want to encourage you to lean into Christ in prayer so that God can give you the graces that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. Uh, if you are a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions, comments, and critiques at www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. Yes, A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H, askfatherjosh. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats and share us on your social media pages. This helps other people to find out about the show. If it's a gift for you, potentially, it can become a gift for other people. On today's show, we are doing a special edition of Ask Father Josh. And so all of my questions today are uh, focused on questions that came from college-aged students. And so what are we talking about today? We're going to be talking about how do we cultivate a consistent life of prayer? How do we promote and cultivate diversity in our efforts of discipleship in our campus ministry programs? And who are some young saints that we can uh, get to know now so they can inspire us and motivate us to imitate them and cling to Jesus Christ uh, on earth uh, and hopefully forever in the kingdom of heaven? So let's jump into today's show. All right, all right, all right. First question comes in from Jake. Jake says, hey, Father Josh, first of all, I'd like to say your podcast has been a blessing for me. I found that a couple of days ago when my fire for the faith was faltering a little. Your joy and passion reminds me that we are all called to a joyful, loving life in Christ, both on earth and in heaven. Amen to that, brother. A little background. I'm a freshman in college and a cradle Catholic. I first started my true faith journey when I encountered Christ at a Steubenville conference. Ha! So did I. Uh, mine was Steubenville South. And I have since continued to grow my faith through the years along with many, many setbacks. <laughs> I, look, me too. I've had many setbacks as well. Still do. My question is about consistent prayer. One thing that I've always struggled to do is setting apart a specific time in my day for prayer. I pray throughout my day, offering parts of my day up, etc. But I struggle to make and keep that set time for prayer every day. And I really do love the time I get to spend in extended prayer. When I try to start setting apart time to pray, I run into the problem that I spend a lot of time in prayer. If I get rid of distractions, I can easily spend an hour plus reflecting on scripture when I only mean to for 15 minutes. But I'm in a very competitive major, and in order to not bring more stress on myself or lose a huge amount of sleep, large blocks of time spent in prayer are difficult to come by. I'm a very contemplative person by nature, and even structured prayers like the rosary I end up sitting with for a long time. What is your advice on consistent, manageable prayer or how to balance daily prayer life with time I do want to sit with God for a longer time? It feels wrong to set a timer or something like that, but I'm cutting God off before he is able to speak. But on the other hand, it's better than that one to two hours once a week, I think. I wish I had the time in the day to pray for as long as I'd, 
I'd like, but life doesn't allow that for sometimes, as I'm sure you know. Uh, Jake, J-M-J. All right, so, uh, yeah, great, great, great question, Jake. And I'm so happy that you want to spend time with Jesus. That is a consolation to his his heart. So just a few things. Um, number one is we do not control when and how and where God speaks to us. And so, for instance, story time with Father Josh. Whenever I was in seminary, I would wake up every day and spend an hour with Jesus in the Adoration Chapel. Uh, and then what I became aware of as time went on is that God— wanted that time for he and I just to be with each other. Our time and our presence was enough. No words necessary. Uh, I mean, I read scripture and I sat there, but like it wasn't necessary. And, I, and it was only an hour because like you, I had to get up and then go to class, right? Um, but what I found though in that season of my life in seminary that is, has remained true is that quite often throughout the rest of the day, because I had that one time set apart for God where it was just he and I alone without distractions, um, without distractions that I could avoid, at least. Uh, then in my class with my professors and my conversations with my friends uh, and videos that I would watch and other books I would read, I would be able to hear God speak through all those other places and spaces and people, right? It, it was God, was because he's always trying to communicate to us throughout the day. And like in the Old Testament, he communicated through a donkey. He communicated to people through angels while they were awake, while they were asleep. He spoke through people. Like he talked to uh, Eli through a young child named Samuel. So all throughout our lives, God is trying to communicate to us. And we open ourselves up to encountering God in prayer with our work and with people and with rest and recreation whenever we have a time set aside for prayer, one-on-one with God. So I, I, I think it is really important that even if you don't want to set a timer, that you do set a timer because you can go on praying for hours now because right now you're not in a season where it's God's calling you to be present at the present moment in your, in your, in your studies as well. You're a student right now, so he doesn't want you to avoid studies for, for more prayer right now unless he calls you to a monastic life or something like that. But even then in the monastery, there's set times set aside for prayer for monks to pray, and then there's set times to do intentional fellowship with other, with other monks, and there's set times to do work, whether it's cooking bread or, or making wine or beer or whatever they do. Like there's, it's, it's good to have order in our life. And so I would encourage you to to set aside 15 to 30 minutes of prayer a day in the morning and have a timer. And when that timer goes off, trust that God will continue the conversation and he's bigger than your, your prayer space. He's bigger than your prayer space in your home or in the chapel, wherever it is that you pray, and that he will talk to you the rest of the day in his own will, way, and time, and your walk with him. So do not feel bad about setting a timer because that's the place and space, that's the season you're in right now in your life. So I would just encourage you to come up with something consistent, a consistent time to set aside for Jesus and you to encounter each other in prayer every single day. Get a friend to hold you accountable to it uh, and then be open to the Lord communicating to you through people and places and things and silence and homilies at mass and books you're reading and, and, and while you're sleeping the rest of the day. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's good to... Um, it's good to have timers, you know, like it's good to, to have that year. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's order. God likes order. Uh, the devil wants disorder. The devil wants chaos. God, uh, he, he operates in our lives well within, within order. So yeah, I think that you, uh, having, and, and, and too, just Jake, I would encourage you to, to pay attention to your desire for the contemplative life. If you really could pray for hours, then, uh, that, that might be a, a sign that you might be called to a supernatural vocation of religious life or priesthood because it's not conducive to pray for hours 
uh, at a time in the secular world. It's just not. You know, we, if you get married, you have a wife, you have kids, it would be a sin for you to avoid your wife and your kids to spend three hours in the chapel whenever they need you to be present to them, right? So if you can and feel drawn to spend multiple hours, and that might be a sign that you maybe should look into religious life. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying that might be a sign that you might be invited by the Holy Spirit to uh, begin to discern some orders that would be more conducive for multiple hours set aside. But even still, with those orders that are cloistered or contemplative or whatever, they still have structure and they still have times for them to get up and make food for their other brothers and sisters and have fellowship and work and other things like that. So, yeah, I would just encourage you to to begin to live with a little bit more order in your life and uh, and that could potentially be a great help for you in your relationship with Jesus, which is most important. So, uh, Jake, give me back up with a follow-up comment. Let me know if that is helpful for you. Maybe try this out for a few months and see how that goes. All right, next question is about young saints. This is coming from Lauren. So, Lauren, I mean, young saints are formed in prayer. So these saints, these questions are all connected. Lauren writes this, hey, Father Josh, I was wondering if you could share some saints who were holy when they were young. As a college student, I want to have role models to look up to in my faith that I can relate to. Uh, what are some of the saints that you think young people can find relatable and can imitate in our walk with the Lord? Yeah, there, there's a few of them. There's so many saints that have preceded us, who can uh, inspire us and motivate us to not settle for mediocrity. Uh, and so I'm going to just share a few of those saints uh, with you. Uh, the first one is very well known. His name is Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Uh, he had died at the age of 24. And so he, he suffered a lot whenever he was dying uh, with his with his sickness that he probably caught while he was tending to the poor and the sick and the suffering. But he was a normal dude. He liked to go hiking. He smoked cigars. He drank beer. Uh, he played sports. Uh, but he also loved our Lord and he loved our lady. And he was devoted to the rosary. He was devoted to serving those who were need, in need, the poor. Uh, but he was just a normal guy. And so it's uh, sometimes I think when we think about holiness, we're like, well, I can't go hiking or I can't have a beer or I can't smoke a cigar anymore or whatever uh, if, if I'm going to be holy. And that's just not the case. To be holy is to abide in a personal, living, vital relationship with Jesus. And so that's what Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frasati did for his short 24 years of life. He abided in an intentional, personal relationship with God. He was attentive to his neighbors who were suffering, but he was also a, just a good and a faithful friend. And so he's one saint that you can look up to. Another one is Venerable Teresita uh, Quevedo. She was younger than Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frasati. She was 20 years old. She was the captain of her high school basketball team. She was uh, an athlete all around. She also played uh, tennis and uh, she won uh, a lot of things, but she never managed to win a championship. And uh, in her senior year of high school, uh, everyone thought she was definitely going to win uh, that game of tennis, uh, but she was more concerned with her pride. And so she asked the Blessed Mother, not for a victory, uh, but for whatever was going to be most pleasing to Jesus. And so when she lost, she accepted her loss with like a lot of joy. And she was like, oh, praise be Jesus Christ, right? Uh, and so whenever she was 17 years old, she uh, perceived an invitation to be religious. So again, Blessed Pierre George Society was not a priest. He was not a monk. He was a lay person. He was a single person. And he is um, a holy young person who did not enter into heaven through a state of life vocation, though uh, some young saints did enter into heaven through the state of life vocation of religious life, priesthood, or marriage. And one of these saints is Teresita Quevedo. And so at 17, she entered the convent, I believe it was the Carmelites. And only after being a Carmelite sister for just a few years, 
Uh, she became very sick with tuberculosis, meningitis, and she suffered uh, very terribly. And she chose as she was dying to to not take any kind of painkillers uh, because she wanted to suffer with Christ for the good of other people. She wanted to imitate Jesus Christ and offer up her pain and suffering for others. And uh, right before uh, she died, um, she her face was just like filled with joy. And she said, how beautiful, oh Mary, how beautiful you are. And so she was able to see the Blessed Mother um, who welcomed her to heaven. And then finally, Blessed uh, Chiara Badano, uh, she wasn't even 20. She might have been 19, I think. And so 24, 2019, again, another saint who uh, was an athlete, tennis player, skier, swimmer, uh, just super, super joyful. She loved to dance. She liked to party, uh, but she also liked to pray. And so whenever she died from cancer, she offered it all up um, to Jesus Christ for the salvation of souls. And she died, I think, at 19 years old. And so these are just some young saints who were disciples of Jesus Christ in good times and in bad. And I think it's really important for like, especially college students to get to know these saints and so many more because in college, life gets difficult and life gets really hard. And these saints all reveal to us that like God did not come here 2,000 years ago through the incarnation in Jesus Christ so that we would not have to ever suffer or experience bad health or any kind of pain. Like he did, he did not come here so that we would not experience suffering. He came here to teach us how to suffer well, which I believe all three of these saints did, and to suffer with us, um, to be in solidarity with us and that which we go through. And so no matter what you go through, uh, Jesus Christ, he gets it. He was betrayed. He was rejected. He was abandoned. He was denied. He was abused. He was cursed. He was mocked. He was misunderstood. Uh, so anything that you can go through in your life, he went through as well. He lost loved ones. He he wept when his friend Lazarus died. And so uh, Jesus Christ was everything to these three young disciples. And if he is everything to you, then you will certainly be able to experience the beatific vision uh, with these young disciples who have preceded us in our walk toward heaven. Uh, so yeah, those are just a few. There's so many more. Whenever we take uh, a break. We're going to get back and cover our final question about diversity and discipleship on the campus. Nestled under the warm Florida sun is a university whose name indicates a vocational call. Ave Maria, Latin for Hail Mary, recalls the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary of her future vocation, becoming the mother of God. Enriched by God's grace, Mary freely ascends to this call. This is the model for all students. Come to Ave Maria University, where we offer a liberal arts curriculum buoyed by the sacraments. This empowers you to clearly see your vocational call, whatever that might be. Ave Maria University, your vocation location. Visit AveMaria.edu or call 1-833-AMUSWFL. And we're back. Uh, if you, again, are a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions, comments, and critiques at www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats, and you can share us on your social media pages. This will help other people to find out about the show. If it's a gift for you, potentially it could become a gift for them as well. All right, final question comes in from Marie. <clears throat> oh, Maria, Maria. You remind me of a West Side Story. Ooh, 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 ooh. All right, so this is about diversity. Marie says this, hey, Father Josh, I actively participate in my campus ministry, and I even help lead a couple of ministries. Something I often face is this feeling of imposter syndrome because most of the campus ministry is composed of Caucasian individuals at an institution where there are a good amount of people of color. 
How does one battle imposter syndrome in living out the Catholic faith? How does one inspire others to evangelize to people of color? How do you share Jesus to people that feel that the Catholic faith is for certain people and cannot praise Jesus through their own culture? What are the best ways to affirm my identity in Jesus when it feels like there's a barrier as a person of color? Best regards, Marie. That is a great question, Marie, and I'm so glad that you asked it. So for us as disciples of Jesus Christ, everything begins with Scripture. And so I think it's best to begin with Jesus, who told his apostles to go out and to make disciples of all nations. That's in the gospel. That is a gospel mandate. If we are not doing that, we are not following and fulfilling the demands of discipleship. And so it's really important for people who are involved in campus ministry to be rooted in scripture, to really know the voice of God. I sometimes wonder whenever I meet missionaries, whenever I meet student leaders, when I meet campus ministers, when I meet people in ministry, if they even know Jesus Christ. Uh, that's what Mother Teresa often wondered with her sisters, the missions of charity. One time she said to them, I'm worried that some of you still don't know Jesus. You haven't seen the way he looks at you or heard the way he speaks to you. And, and I have that same concern with people in ministry today, because if we really knew Jesus and his voice, and his, then we would know what his, his voice says very concretely and clearly to all of us, not some of us, but all of us. And that's go out and make disciples of all nations. The word nations is translated from the Greek ethnos. Ethnos means ethnicities. So what Jesus wants is for all of us to go out and make disciples of all nations. And in the early church, in the Acts of the Apostles, the the apostles, the disciples, they did this. In Acts chapter 2, they sat with the Lord, and they prayed, and they were present to God, and then the Holy Spirit overshadowed them. And the very first thing that they did when they received the Holy Spirit was they went out, and they shared the love of God with everybody, people from Africa, people from Europe, people from Asia. If you look at all the places that are mentioned, those are African, European, and Asian places. And so the people that received Jesus were from all ethnicities. Whenever John, the beloved disciple, uh, saw a vision of heaven in Revelation 7, 9, he says, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and I see people of every race, nation, tribe, and tongue. Again, this is what God wants. He wants our earth to look like heaven. And so whenever we are involved in campus ministry, everybody, not just people of color, but everybody should be working towards inviting everyone who's on our campus. So uh, look at your, your geographical boundaries in your parish. Look at the people who abide at your university on your campus, whether they're Catholic or Protestant, um, atheist, agnostic, Muslim, Hindu, Jew, doesn't matter. We are invited to um, encourage all people to come and to dwell with us before the presence of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, because the Eucharist is that place. Uh, the Eucharist is that space that that transforms people's hearts and minds and in, inspires us and motivates us to not be mediocre, but to be radical disciples of God. Uh, and historically, the church was not. Um, the church wasn't just primarily uh, in Europe and Rome. If you look in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, there's an Ethiopian eunuch, Ethiopia, is African. Um, an African eunuch was one of the first people to receive the gospel, to be baptized uh, by uh, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so he went to his place in Africa and began to form people and accompany people in their walk toward eternity. Some of the greatest saints in our church's history all come from Africa. St. Augustine, 
of Hippo as Africa, St. Monica, his mother, St. Ambrose, St. Perpetua and Felicity, the, the African martyrs, St. Charles Luanga and the Ugandan martyrs, St. Martin de Porres was of African descent, St. Teresa Chicaba, uh, she's from Africa, St. Josephine Baquita is from Africa, St. Benedict the Moors, St. Moses the Strong, uh, Father Augustus Tolton is of African descent, Amriette de Lille, Thea, Sister Thea Bowman, Pierre Toussaint, Julie Greeley, Mother Mary Elizabeth Lange, uh, Blessed Benedict Daswa, Blessed Francesco de Paula Victor, there's so many black saints, people of African descent, um, who we can share with our brothers and sisters during our Bible studies and call for their intercession and invite our priests to preach about at Mass and get their artwork and their paintings and their statues depicted all over our campuses at our campus ministry centers um, and entrust our small groups to them um, in our relationship with our brothers and sisters. Uh, we can also... Uh, when it comes to our campus ministry events, we can check out the website, uh, uh, CatholicSpeakersOfColor.com. Um, uh, again, there, this is the website that I am the chaplain of, and there are so many black and brown members of the body of Christ uh, and indigenous uh, people of color who are available to speak at your retreats and at your conferences and at your missions and give workshops and offer lectures and provide uh, just their wisdom uh, to your campus ministry program. So it'd be it's just really important for the maybe the church websites for your campus ministry to promote uh, some of those people and to make it known how many disciples of color are out there who can inspire all people, white, black, brown, Asian, indigenous, etc., uh, to fall in love with Jesus and to stay in love with Jesus. And so I think it's just important to to lean into everybody in the body of Christ, to every member, to abide in relationship with all people so that we can be inspired and motivated by all people to remain faithful to Jesus Christ. And so because the, the faith that he gave us, it was in Africa way before it was ever in North America or South America. The Catholic Church was in Africa way before it was in America. So we shouldn't wait for, um, or we shouldn't prioritize or uh, highlight American Catholicism over African Catholicism or European expressions of Catholicism or our um, South American expressions of Catholicism or Indian expressions of Catholicism, right? We ought to respect all the ways in which Jesus Christ has incarnated into those places and spaces and, and uh, form disciples who are now servants of God and venerables and blesseds and saints. And so, yeah, so... I think that that's something that's very, very important for, especially for you as a person of color to affirm your identity in Christ that like, you know what, Christ, he is a God of all people. And, and whenever we recognize that the word Catholic means universal, we see these beautiful depictions of our Lord and of his ministry and of the ways that he drew people through being aware and in relationship with people of all different nations and continents and tribes and tongues and races. So, yeah. So I think that that might be a good place to start. Is scripture, is history, is becoming aware of some of the gifts and the resources that are out there. Um, and then and then bringing those gifts and those resources and those scriptures and those historical realities to the table at your campus ministry, um, to the leadership table, so that as leaders, you can, uh, you can shape your ministry around the entire body of Christ and not just some members of the body of Christ but over the wisdom of the collective. So that's what I would say. Let me know if that was helpful, Marie. Hit me up with follow-up questions. All right, that would be the end of the show for today. Uh, don't forget, you can continue to walk with me toward eternity through this podcast, Ask Father Josh. 
and uh, know that God loves you. He sees you and he wants you to be in relationship with him. And he wants you and I to invite the world to know him, to love him and to serve him on earth and abide with him in heaven for all eternity. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father God, we love you. We adore you. worship you. I ask that at this Seek conference, you inspire a number of young men and women to set aside mediocrity and to pick up their cross and to follow you in their walk toward becoming saints in heaven. Inspire them where they are awake and while they are asleep to become great saints for this generation. We ask this prayer, Father God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Again, if you also want to stay in touch with me outside the podcast, you can order my book, Broken and Blessed, or Pocket Guide to Adoration, or my new book that's coming out with Father Mike Schmitz next month, uh, Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. I look forward to our friendship on earth, and I hope and pray that we could be uh, in relationship with each other forever in the kingdom of heaven. Thank you.